verse, we're talking about refresh. God wants to breathe and refresh his people as we step into a new season. And I want us to read our theme verse found in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Let's all read it together out loud. You ready? Here we go. Repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we lean in to you today. God, we lean in. We ask that today you would begin to speak, you would begin to refresh us. Lord, we know that it comes from you. So we open our hearts and we say, speak to us, God. Anoint everything spoken, but anoint us, our hearts, our minds, to get ready for that seed, your word, to be implanted in our lives. In Jesus' name. And somebody say amen. Amen. You may be seated today. You know, it's easy to get into a funk or in, a, in the doldrums. The word doldrums is stagnant, right? Going nowhere. Sometimes we can get in this place where we feel like we're just stuck. We're not moving forward. In fact, the word doldrum is a, it's a word that's a sailing term. And I'm using this. I know I, I do this each week of the series, but there are people that have been gone and this is their first week back. You know, we've been talking about the doldrums and the doldrums is actually a zone on the planet. It's a place on the planet. The Northern Hemisphere, every, um, all the winds go one direction and all the currents go one direction. The Southern Hemisphere of the, of the globe, all of the currents and winds go in the opposite direction. And right in the middle around the equator, there's certain places called the doldrum zone where there is no current and there is no wind. And back before we had powered motors on boats and ships, we had sails. And so the wind and the current would cause the ships to go forward. And so they would be careful to not end up in the doldrum zone because if they ended up in the doldrum zone without wind and current, they were going to die. Let me ask this question. How many of you have ever felt like you've been in a season where you're just stuck and going nowhere? Could be financially, could be physically, could be a relationship. Well, I believe God wants to breathe. In fact, we just read a moment ago that God wants to refresh us. He wants to breathe on us. And the way that happens is through prayer. The scripture we read says that when you pray, and he's talking about a specific prayer there of repentance, but the idea is prayer in God's presence brings refreshment. And so we've been talking about prayer, and we've learned that we need to learn how to pray corporately or in a row. We talked about that in week one. And then in week two, we learned about praying in a circle, that we need a circle. That's why you saw that in the the connection video, that we want you to connect with other people and to pray in a circle setting because healing and things happen in a circle that don't happen in a row. But we also need to learn how to pray privately or on our own. Each of us need to know how to pray. And so this week, we're going to learn how to pray in private. And I promise you, now listen, I'm not trying to in any way pat myself on the back and say, this is going to be great. But I'm telling you what I'm going to teach you today. If you will take it and you will apply it, I promise you, it'll change your life. It'll change your prayer life. It'll be something you do for the rest of your life. So we're going to learn how to pray in private today. And so I want you to grab your Bibles, your phones, wherever you're getting scripture. If you want to follow along, you can go to the app. And today we're going to learn four principles of how to pray in private. You ready? Here's principle number one. I promise you, you're going to learn some things today. I'm going to go quick, so hang in with there. Hang in there with me. If we're going to be people of prayer, the first thing we need to learn is that we need to pray in our prayer place. If you're going to be a person of prayer, you need to have a prayer place when you pray. Now, where do we get that? Well, if you listen to Jesus, his disciples came to him and said, hey, teach us how to pray because we see that you're a a person of prayer and we want to learn how to pray. So this is where we pick up where Jesus teaches us. Let's go. Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 6. So Jesus says, but when you pray, go away by, what does it say? 
yourself. In other words, we have to pray on our own. We can't just always pray in a circle in a row. We need to be people of prayer. Pray by yourself, and here's what you do. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Other translations say, go into your prayer room, or there's an old phrase that we used to say, your prayer closet. Go into a place in private and shut the door. Then your Father who sees you, um, who sees everything, will reward you. Now, what we know is that Jesus, when he prayed, he modeled prayer to the disciples, and here's what he would do. The Bible says in in the Gospels that he would often, between his time of ministry, he would pull himself away privately to a place of prayer. And I want to teach you today, and it's a simple principle, is that the question that I have for you is, do you have a prayer place? Because the prayer place is not so much about the place Here's what it's about. It's about the place where you can close the door. How many know we all need a distraction-free zone in our life? Come on, if you have kids, how many would say amen? We need a distraction-free zone in our life. And I got to tell you, for me, every time I try to have prayer, I don't know why, but everybody needs something. Someone gets sick. Something breaks down, Right? It's like all hell breaks loose when you need to pray in a room by yourself. And so Jesus says, go somewhere where you can close the door to distraction. Now for me, I have a prayer place. My prayer place is not in my home because I'm always distracted. And it's not just my kids or my wife that distracts me. It's that I'm ADD. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Squirrel. I mean, it's like... I'm just one of those guys that I try to calm my mind and, you know, not be distracted. The next thing I know, I'm looking at my phone. I see some, something on the desk that I didn't see before. I'm straightening at something. I'm looking at my shoe. I mean, just, I get distracted. So for me, my prayer place is I go for a run. And when I'm on a run, there's nothing that can distract me. I'm, I run up a canyon where there's no cell coverage. So I'm listening to worship music and I close the door to distraction with my prayer place when I run. And so I'll run for 35 or 40 minutes. And that time is not to listen to a song for the sake of listening. It's not to listen to a Bible verse. It's to pray and communicate with God. My question is, do you have a prayer place? Do you have a zone? For some of you, it may be your car on your commute into work, 15, 20, 30 minutes. For some of you, it might be a a cup of coffee in a chair after everybody's gone to school. Whatever it might be, maybe it's for you at the job when you have your lunch break, you go out to your car, you go to uh, Starbucks and you put in your headphones. And the point I wanna make is that if you're gonna be a person of prayer, Jesus says when you pray, the first point he gives is find a prayer place and make sure that when you pray, you go there. So as you start your prayer life in 2018, Find a place, shut the door, so that you can be a person of prayer. Y'all with me? That's point number one. Real simple, but let's go on to point number two. When you pray, not only have a place, but pray with a routine. You need a routine in prayer. So what I want to do is I want to keep hearing the words of Jesus, his teachings on prayer. Let's go on as he continues this. He starts off and he says, find a place of prayer. Then he says in Matthew, and when you pray, now notice he doesn't say, and if you pray. How many know that prayer isn't optional for a Christian? We should be people of prayer. So he says, when you pray, now watch this, this is interesting. He says, don't babble on and on as other people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father in heaven knows exactly what you need before you ask. Now, pause that for a sec. So basically he says, don't just learn a prayer 
and then just repeat that prayer. Now, for some of you that come from maybe a more liturgical background, you have your certain prayers that you're, you learned. And so what our tendency is, is we just, well, I'll just keep praying that. And the Bible says pray without ceasing. So I just keep on praying that prayer over and over and over and over and over again. So Jesus says, don't be that way when you pray. But here's what's really intriguing. He says, because God knows your prayers and your needs before you ask. And then he says, so don't do that. Instead, pray like this. And then he gives us a prayer. In fact, we all know the prayer. Let's, let's read it together. Let's quote it. I want to hear you do it. Ready? Here we go. Matthew 6, 13. We all know it. Our Father, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not... Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, that's a great prayer. We've all heard it. Some of us have heard it in song. Our Father. Anybody know that old song? Which art in heaven. you got to have a big vibrato if you sing it. Heaven. We, we know the song. We know the prayer. And we pray the prayer. And so that's how we're supposed to pray. But it's interesting. It sounds like Jesus is contradicting himself. Because he says, don't learn a prayer and just say it over and over again. So I'm going to teach you how to pray. Learn this prayer. So what was Jesus really saying? Well, here, I, I believe that what's happened over time is we've kind of lost the meaning of what Jesus did. Because in the days of Jesus, there were rabbis, and rabbis would teach prayer, and when they taught prayers, they would teach topics of prayer. Not just a prayer to pray, but topics that you follow in your prayer. And I think that over history, what's happened is we've, we've turned this prayer into just a prayer and not realized that Jesus was a rabbi. Remember when he had risen from the grave and the first woman to see him, she says, Rab uh, Rabboni, and she, that means rabbi. So Jesus was a rabbi of his day, although he didn't go through the normal process. And so when he taught on prayer, what I believe is he wasn't just teaching a prayer to pray. He was teaching topics that you and I could build into our life as a routine to help us in our prayers. So what I want to do is I'm going to take the Lord's Prayer real quick, and I want to show you the topics. There are seven topics of prayer that Jesus gives us when we pray. Let me ask this question. How many of you have ever prayed, and you went into your prayer time, and after three minutes, you didn't know what else to say? I prayed for my kids, I prayed for my spouse, I prayed for my family, I prayed for the church, I prayed for the pastor. I guess prayer's over. Well, let me show you how you can build your routine in prayer. So it begins with our Father in heaven. So the very beginning is, the first topic is when you pray to God, connect relationally with God. So the beginning is, our routine should begin by saying, God, I'm coming to you not as some like alien organism that's off in space, you're my father. When my dad, um, he, he fought cancer for many years, and as he got you know, later in his life, I, we didn't know how long he was going to hold on, and so the last couple years, I put a, a reminder on my phone that um, during the week, every day, it would remind me to call my dad, because I wanted to make sure that I was talking with him, and I didn't know how long God was going to give me, and so it would, it would go off, I would turn it off, and then I'd call my dad, and I got to tell you, when I talked to my dad, it was cool, because all these things we would say and talk about, and whether it was the dog, or the kids, or the family, or, or God, or whatever, all this conversation began to happen, where I exposed my life, and he exposed his life to me, because I wasn't talking to him in some distant way, he was my family, he was my father, and so what Jesus is saying to us is, in your prayer routine, Approach God. He's your father. So pick up the phone in your prayer life and say, Hey, Dad, I wanted to talk to you about what happened yesterday. 
It'll change your prayer life. So Jesus says the first topic in your routine is connect relationally with God. He is your Father. Secondly, embrace His name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Embrace His name. Now what what does that mean when we say embrace His name? Well, what's interesting is that God's name has a multifaceted meaning for us. In fact, in the Old Testament, he was called Jehovah. And Jehovah had kind of like a first and last name. It was like Jehovah Rapha. So one of the names for God is Rapha. Rapha means my healer. So God, my healer. So when you embrace his name, when you go into your prayer time, you don't just say, God, I thank you that you're my father. And I just want to open up my heart and tell you I've been struggling a little bit in this situation. And, and then you go in and you begin to say, God, I want to thank you that you're the healer. And even though there's been a brokenness in this relationship, you are Jehovah Rapha and I embrace Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. I respect there's power in your name. I reverence your name. So God, I'm saying, I thank you that I can be healed emotionally, physically, my relationships, because you are my healer. I embrace your name. Embrace his name. Not only is it Jehovah Rapha, but the Bible says he's Jehovah Tzidkenu. The word Tzidkenu is a Hebrew word. It's the name of God, and it means Jehovah my righteousness. So sometimes when you go into prayer, you can embrace his name and say, God, I thank you today because I know the devil's going to try to beat me up because of the stupid stuff I do. I know I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, but God, I'm thankful that you don't look at me bad, that he can't accuse me because now I'm not standing in my righteousness. I'm standing in his righteousness and he's perfect. And so his perfection is covering me. And so I'm not going to feel guilty today. I'm going to feel blessed today because I am righteous because God is my righteousness. Embrace his name. Jehovah Rohi, that means Jehovah my shepherd. But pastor, I'm walking through a dark time. Well, Jehovah Rohi, or Rohi means you are my shepherd, so therefore you can declare, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What does it say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. God, thank you for making me rest sometimes when I'm running and I need to take a rest. God, I thank you that even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jehovah, embrace his name, my shepherd. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Lord, I thank you that I don't need to worry about the bills. Sometimes I get all stressed about, is my job still going to be there? Am I going to meet my quota this week? They've been laying people off. Lord, I thank you. You are Jehovah Jireh and you provide all my needs. Pray with a routine. Connect with him relationally. Embrace his name. The third topic he gives us is pray his agenda first. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God, today, I'm going to start by saying, Lord, I'm going to care about what matters to you first and care about what matters to me second. I'm going to make your priorities my priorities. So God, I'm going to say today as I go through the day, help me to think about what matters to you. Because here's the thing that's interesting. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. So the key for you to get the all is on the other side of his agenda. Because what you sow, you're going to reap. So you say, God, I'm going to care about what matters to you. And can I tell you one thing that I know is on the top of the list of priorities for God? You might think it's you. You might think it's Christianity. But here's what I think is most important to God. Not Christians, but the ones who aren't Christians. Because he said, it's my will that none should perish and that all should come to repentance. You know what God thinks about more? I think he thinks more about the people that don't know him than the people that do know him. 
Because his heart is that everyone would know him. So for you and I then, our prayers become, Lord, I pray your will be done. Lord, today, if you care about the lost so much that that's your priority, then today, let people that don't know Jesus be my priority. So while I'm out working today, that when I run across someone on that sales call and they look a little depressed, I don't just move on, but I stop and say, are you okay? Can I pray for you? I can share my faith. I can pray for people around me. Pray his agenda first. Isn't it cool? God's given us all this stuff to pray. How many know you can pray longer than three minutes now? (laughs) Connect with him relationally. Embrace his name. Pray his agenda first. And then the next one is depend on him for everything. So now your routine is, God, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, today I acknowledge that I am not the breadwinner. You're the breadwinner. I'm the bread eater. Come on, how many are in there fast and are waiting for some bread? Come on now. I haven't had bread in 21 days. Give us this day our daily bread. Come on. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Lord, I acknowledge today as I start my day that, Lord, you're the one who supplies. That every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And that all that I have, it comes from you. Oh, it changes your prayer life. you got a prayer routine. Not only that, he goes on and he says this. He says, also, here's another topic for your prayer. Keep your heart right. What does he say? Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we for as, let me just point out, I think one of the most important words in this prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. In other words, it almost, and I'm not saying this completely, but it's almost as if there's a condition that our forgiveness is connected to, let me say it this way, receiving forgiveness just might be connected to giving forgiveness. But but you don't understand, Pastor Jared. When I did something wrong, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't my heart. I know I hurt that person, but you know my heart, and my heart wasn't to do it. It, was, it just it happened. It wasn't intentional. But what they did, I know they did it on purpose. <laughs> Can I just back up for a second? When God saw you in your sin, he forgave you even though you were sinning intentionally. I mean, there are unintentional sins, but how many know that a lot of times when we lie, we know we're lying. When we say something mean and hurtful, we're doing it on purpose because we're trying to create a wound. And yet God forgave us and we did it intentionally. So when it comes to prayer, what God is saying, listen, you need to give what you've been given. Even if they did it intentionally, because here's the point. Forgiveness isn't about them. Forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness isn't about who they are. Forgiveness is about who you are. It means that you're someone who understands that because God has forgiven me, Lord, I pray today, get my heart right, God. Get my heart in the right place so that as I go through the day, I don't retaliate. As I go through the day, I don't hurt people. As I go through the day, I don't hold people um, captive to unforgiveness. I want to have what you had. I want to have a heart of love and compassion. Lord, I want to be a person of prayer. So God, get my heart right. 
part of our routine of prayer. What, what would happen in our life if we started the day that way? How many of you think this world would be a better place? And anyway, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Keep your heart right. The next topic of prayer, what is it? Stand against the enemy. Take a stand. What does he say? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, let me just say, what he's saying there is you need to stand, take a stand against the enemy. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. We're in a spiritual battle, so we need to pray. We've learned we need to pray so that the enemy can hear our prayers. But the problem with, with the translation that we have for most Bibles is that I believe it's not translated exactly correctly in English because what it leads to is the idea that we think somehow that God leads us into temptation. But if you read the Bible, you know in James that the Bible says God tempts no man. So what is he really saying? In fact, it's interesting because someone came up to me after the last service or the first service and they said, Pastor, I wanted to give you this. You started preaching on this, and I felt led to cut this article out and bring it to you today. I had no idea you were preaching on this prayer, and I had no idea that you were going to talk about the fact that God doesn't lead us into temptation. And she, typed, uh, she cut it out and brought it to me, and it's an article in the paper about how the Pope is basically saying the exact same thing, that Jesus' words sometimes have been misunderstood because of the translation, and how that Pope Francis suggested that the Lord's prayer needs a little tweaking. And he goes on to say, we're not changing Jesus' words, but we know that God doesn't lead us into temptation. And the point I want to make, and I'm not pointing this out to say, oh, he's as good as the Pope. I will bless you, my son. No, no, I'm, not, I'm not, not, not saying it for that reason, but I don't even know if I did that right. I think I did it backwards. But, <laughs> Lord Jesus, help us. The point I want to make is that sometimes we need to stand up in the morning and say, God, today I pray that you would watch over me so that the enemy won't lead me into a place or I won't end up in a place where now I am exposed to the enemy. So watch over me and protect me from being led into temptation today. What if Joseph would have prayed that prayer before he went in and worked for Potiphar that morning? Remember when he stood in the room and he was by himself and then the Potiphar's wife comes in and she says, sleep with me. And he says, no. And she grabs his coat and he runs off and the coat's pulled off. He gets thrown in prison. Now we know the whole thing was part of God's perfect plan. But my point is, is this, what would have happened if he said, God, help me to be aware of the devil's devices. Help me today as I walk through this day to not get in situations where I make bad decisions. But God, keep me on your path. The steps of a good man are order of the Lord. So order my steps today. How many things would we beat how many plans of the enemy would be destroyed if you and I would take a stand against the enemy? Amen? Amen. I got to keep moving. Okay, keep going. We got a lot today. The last thing is worship with confidence. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In other words, God, I stand in confidence knowing that you heard me. I stand in confidence knowing that you're working your will in my life. That's why I like this verse. It's found in John. First John chapter 5 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. So we pray with confidence. Thine is the kingdom and the glory. Lord, you've got the power. You're in control. We know that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have it because we ask of him. You see, what God is telling us is don't just pray with the prayer place. Pray with a routine. Y'all with me, amen? Anybody learning anything today? Shout amen. Isn't it cool? So much great truth right there that we... we we just run by. Now, let me give you the next thing. And this one's going to seem like a no-duh 
kind of sh- shaggy kind of moment, right? Like, oh, raggy? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like, really? You know? I mean, no duh, kind of a thing. And that's this, pray with your words. How, let me ask you, how many have ever prayed prayers in your mind? Okay, and that's good. We, we can do that. But what we learned a few weeks ago is that we don't just need to pray with our mind, we need to pray with our mouth. Because if we're really praying in our heart, the Bible says out of the heart the mouth speaks. Prayers are meant to be heard. In fact, let me show you a verse. I want to talk about it for a minute. Ephesians 6, 18. It says, and pray in the Spirit. Now, I'm going to go back to that in a minute. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. What this is telling us is that there's all kinds of prayers. And we're supposed to be praying all kinds of prayers. But we need to do that with our mouth. And so there's two ways to pray with your mouth. The first way is, and this may sound silly, but pray in English. Not pig Latin. Pray in English. And let, if, you, if you know another language, you can pray in that language. The point is, pray in a way that you can hear yourself and you can understand what you're saying. Now, why is that important? Well, there's all kinds of prayers. Let me give you some examples. One of the prayers that we can pray, and I made a list of this. It's not on the screen, so if you want to write these down, you can do this. One is reflective prayers. David, in the book of Psalms, wrote reflective prayers. He journaled reflective prayers. He thought about evil, or he thought about righteousness, or he thought about God's faithfulness, and he would would talk about those. He would pray those out to God. So one thing to pray is reflective prayers. What's going on in your life, and what's happening? Another prayer would be Blessing prayers, prayers of blessing. Did you know that in the Bible that parents would lay their hands on kids and bless them? You can bless your kids at night before they go to bed. God, I bless my son. I bless my daughter. I pray that your hand would be on them. I pray that you protect them from harm. I pray that you bless them in school and give them favor. I pray that you bless their gifts and talents and that they would reach their potential. You can bless people in prayer. There's also prayers that are worship prayers. Prayers where we worship and we thank God in our prayers. We also have other types of prayers. There's healing prayers. God, I pray for healing. We talked about that, Jehovah Rapha. God, you're the healer. We can pray prayers of healing over other people. So there are healing prayers. This one I really love, and that's prayers of declaration. And that's why we need to use our words, because we need to declare prayers. We need to declare things that God has over us and over others. Let's all practice it together. You ready? Everyone say this with me. Say, I declare, I I can can do all things through Christ, who strengthened me. Let's do another one. Say, I declare, I pray, that I am more than a conqueror through Christ, who strengthens me. We need to declare God's promises, so you have to pray with your mouth, you have to pray with your words. The last prayer I want to give you is what we would call specific prayers. God wants us to be specific specific when we pray. You know, God cares about your life. He cares about the details. You know, you can know God cares about the details because the Bible says that he literally knows how many hairs are on your head. How many know that that means that God has to keep track of others more than some others? (laughs) Just throwing that out there. In fact, my girls, they, you know, they're blow drying their hair in their bathroom and and, um, the other day I had to clean out the drains. Come on, man, if you've ever been there. It is, it was disgusting. I had forgotten to do it, and it got to the point where it wasn't going down. And I started pulling that stuff out. I thought I was, you know, exercising a demon. I mean, it just kept, it just kept coming. It just kept coming. It was, it was disgusting. 
So God literally is keeping track of my girls every day. He's that specific in your life. So if he's that specific, why wouldn't he want you to be specific in prayer? When I talked to my dad, we would get specific. Hey, the dog, he lost a couple of teeth today. Hey, you know, whatever. Literally that happened, by the way. So do you have prayer for specific prayers? In fact, my dad taught me about specific prayer years ago, and he told the story. He said, son, when I really learned about specific prayer, it was when, he said, I was working out in the field. We had a farm, and he said, our family was very poor, and we had this tool that was very expensive. And he goes, when I was out in the field, I came back on the tractor back into the, the barn, and when I got to the barn, I realized I didn't have the tool. And I freaked out because I knew when dad found out that I was busted because this tool was very expensive. And he goes, our family didn't have much in the way of money. We couldn't afford to buy another one. So he said, I, he said I, I decided to be very specific, and I told God, I said, God, I need you to help me find that tool. So when I get on this tractor and I drive out into the field, you show me where it's at. He said, so I, I turned on the tractor, I jumped on the tractor, and I took off, and he said, I drove for a while into the field, and then I just stopped when I felt like I should stop. He said, I turned off the tractor, I jumped down, and I walked behind the tractor, and right by the wheel was that tool. This was a massive field. He said, and the Lord began to teach me about specifics in prayer. In fact, my son, just, just yesterday or two days ago, he, he, he talked about this with me. And he was saying, Dad, specific prayers work because I was telling him about my message. He said, it's true, it's true. He said, it happened to me this week. I'm like, well, what happened? He goes, well, I was on my way to Zeus Specific. I was in the car and that's my prayer time. As I was praying on the way there, he said, about, about, you know, when I got fairly close to the school, he said, I realized I was hungry. And so I just started talking to the Lord. I'm like, God, I'm hungry. And you know what I really want? I want a breakfast biscuit from Chick-fil-A. He prayed that prayer. He said, so God, I don't know. He goes, I don't have time to stop. I would stop and get it, but I don't have time to stop. I don't have much money on me. And I just want to get a biscuit, breakfast biscuit from Chick-fil-A. God, you know my heart. He said, I prayed the prayer. He said, I turned the corner and I drove up and, and the building that he has is right across the street where he goes to school is right across the street from Chick-fil-A. He said, I come driving up to the corner and I stop and on the corner are employees from Chick-fil-A handing out breakfast biscuits from Chick-fil-A. He said, they walked over and knocked on the window. I rolled it down. They said, hey, would you like a breakfast biscuit? I said, I was just praying for you. <laughs> he was dead at work, specific prayers. I, I remember this last year, I was praying about the new year. And, I, and you know, sometimes you don't, may not realize, but as a pastor, I carry the burden sometimes of, of knowing that we've got to meet the bills of this place, the costs of facilities. And you know, we just bought this building recently and now that we own it, it's awesome. How many thankful that we own our own place? We've, we've put down roots. And that's awesome. But then a few weeks ago, someone came to me and said, oh, by the way, Pastor, we're looking at the facility and we've got to replace the roof. It's $100,000. So there's costs. And so as I was thinking about the new year, I was praying and I, I started praying in a very specific prayer and it was a certain number above the year before. Because every year we as a church, we've grown numerically, we've grown financially, and we've grown in salvations. And so I said, God, I'm believing for more. And I, I, I had a specific number that I prayed. It was in the millions, right? And so I'm praying this prayer, and I pray all year long. Well, it just so happened about a week ago, I went to her account, and I said, hey, we need to get all the stuff in order for the board of directors that we're meeting. And I said, can I have the number for tithes and offerings at Higher Vision Church? She said, sure, and she handed it to me. Now, we're talking millions of dollars. It was exactly $20,000 over the number that I had prayed for all year long. Because God cares, and he's looking for specific prayers. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So we need to pray with our words. Let me give you the other way. If we pray, pray out loud, pray in English, 
The other way to pray with our words is to pray in tongues. Now, I know some of you freaked out when I just said that word. Because in the world we live in, tongues is like a scary, freaky thing. First of all, can I tell you what the word tongues mean? It's not like a human tongue. It's not something weird like that. The word tongues means language. That's what it means. So what he's saying is pray in your spiritual language. Well, on the day of Pentecost, they prayed in another language, but it was called tongues. There's two types of tongues in the Bible, or two types of spiritual language, a known tongue and an unknown tongue. So sometimes people in the, in the Bible would pray in a language that they didn't know, and they would pray, pray that. The Holy Spirit would pray that through them. It happens even today. It happened to my brother in Brazil. He prayed in Portuguese. He didn't know it. He just started praying in tongues, and after the service, the lady came up and told him that you just prayed a prayer over me in Portuguese. So we have known tongue and then we have an unknown tongue. The unknown tongue is when you pray in a spiritual language that you don't understand and that nobody understands. But here's the cool thing, God understands. Now watch what it says in the, in the Bible in Ephesians, we just read. In Ephesians it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Let me say that again, and pray in the Spirit. Now when it says pray in the Spirit, it's not meaning just that the Holy Spirit is helping you pray only. It's referring specifically, Paul, when he uses that phrase, he's specifically referring to praying in tongues. If you go to the book of Romans, it shows you. He says, I pray in the spirit and I pray in, in my human tongue. And when I pray in my human tongue, my mind is fruitful. I understand what I'm saying. But when I pray in the spirit, my mind doesn't know what I'm saying. And he says, and I sing in the spirit and I sing in language that I understand. So when you hear that phrase, he's talking about praying in the spirit. Now, why would God want us to pray? In fact, what's interesting is he says, and every time you pray, every occasion, if you have a prayer language, you should be praying in your prayer language. Now, what people get tripped up with is this. They've heard in the Bible that if there's a message in a spiritual language or tongues, there has to be an interpretation. And that's true if it's the gift of tongues being used in the church to exhort and build the body. So if I started speaking in tongues out loud for everyone to hear, the Bible says there needs to be an interpretation. And those two together become an exhortation of prophecy to encourage and admonish the church. But what we see in the Bible is that they prayed in their spiritual language all the time without an interpretation. It's because it's their prayer language. So why would God have us pray with our words in another language? Can I give you a few reasons? One, Jude, the book of Jude tells us that when you pray in the Spirit, you build up your most holy faith. Your faith gets stronger when you pray in the Spirit. Is that awesome? It's like lifting weights. Not only that, the Bible says that when you pray in the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit prays through you with groanings that cannot be uttered. In other words, sometimes there are things that you just have to, have to get out. The, you groan to get them out. And the Spirit helps get that out into the spiritual realm so that God can answer it. The Bible also says that when you pray in the Spirit, in a spiritual language, that you pray the perfect will of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit prays God's perfect will through you as you're praying in the Spirit. How many here have ever prayed about a situation, but you didn't know what it was? Like, should I take the job or not? So you just pray, God, your will be done. How many know what I'm talking about? Well, guess what? When you pray in the Spirit, in your tongue, you're literally praying the perfect will of God for that situation you just don't know what it is. Now, why would God want us to pray something that we don't know what it is? Well, I, here's why I think. I think we, we do that because sometimes God is wanting to do something. He's wanting to birth something. And when you pray in the Spirit, you don't know what it is, but He does because He wants to make sure that the devil doesn't know what it is. Because if the devil knew what it was, he would already start doing everything he could to stop it from even happening. 
That's why in the Bible you see in the Old Testament and the New Testament that scriptures were hidden from him to understand because if he would have known what was happening with Jesus, he would have stopped and killed Jesus before. So sometimes God has something he wants to birth inside of you, he wants to bring out of you and release into the supernatural, so by you praying in the spirit, he protects you and he protects the enemy from even knowing what it is so that it can have a healthy birth and it can then function and accomplish what he's called it to do. Is that not good? Come on, somebody say amen. So we need to use our words in prayer. We need to pray with routine and we need to pray in the spirit. Now I am over time. How many will give me three minutes? You give me three? Three, six, nine, 12. We got plenty of time. We, we got plenty of time. All right. I know I'm running long, but I feel like this is important. You need to pray with your words, but not only that, you need to pray with your ears. Pray with your ears. Let's take a look at a passage and we'll end with this. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Sometimes in prayer, we think prayer is supposed to be a monologue, but what God thinks it is is a dialogue. You see, prayer is to be interactive. When you talk to someone in relationship, you talk and you listen. And too often, all we do is show up and give God our list, and he's waiting there to say something but can't because we're too distracted and we haven't learned to wait upon the Lord. In fact, if you notice that word, wait, it means, in the Hebrew, it means to eagerly anticipate. It means to linger for, to expect. Do you, when you pray, expect God to speak things into your heart? Do you expect Him to, His voice to come and encourage and, and direct you? Because the Bible says that when we have that spirit and that heart, that's where refreshing comes. So how do we hear His voice? Can I give you the, the reasons as we end? First way you hear his voice, how do you wait on the Lord? Pray with your ears. Read the word. In your time of prayer, take some passages and read the Bible. That's why the Bible says, there's a scripture in Romans that says, so then faith cometh by, what's the word? So the way that you're going to grow in your faith is to hear God. So how do we hear God? Faith cometh by hearing, well then it tells us. And hearing comes by the word of God. So when you're in time of prayer, as you read the word, it develops your ability to hear his voice. Because first of all, he's already talking to you through the Bible. But sometimes he'll even take scriptures and they'll have a new meaning to you or have something that he's saying to you. So if you want to develop how to wait on the Lord and hear his voice, read the word. The second thing is quiet your mind. Remove the distractions. What does the Bible say? Be still and know that I am God. Quiet your mind to hear his voice. Thirdly, what does it say? Listen for his voice. Did you know the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice? Do you know that in the days of shepherds that they would go and sometimes shepherds would get together, which meant all of their flocks would mingle. And then suddenly the shepherd would have to take off. Well, how'd they get all the sheep back to the right shepherd? You know, all they'd do is make a sound. And the sheep knew the sound of their shepherd and they would demingle, unmingle themselves and follow the shepherd. You see, we live in the world and we get mingled and caught up in the world and as we learn to hear his voice, he helps us unwrap and unmingle and follow him. How many want to follow him? Can I give you the last thing? That's good. I hadn't, I hadn't even planned to preach that. I need to, Anthony, remember. Can you help me remember to write that into my message? It was really good. All right. Journal. We talked about it earlier. I love the scripture which says, my hand is the pen of a ready writer. You know what that means is sometimes when we're writing, God will start to, to write through us and speak through us. And you'll look back at your journal entries and you'll go, wow, God, you were saying this to me. 
God wants us to pray with our ears. He wants to pray with our words. He wants us to pray with a routine. And he wants us to pray in a prayer place.